Okay, so dude, I know that currently you're you made a lot off the Dogecoin, but I have another investment idea for you. I am ready to hear this. So the house from the conjuring is currently on the market for 1.2 million. So what I'm hearing is buy it, haunted houses, and we just make back that 1.2 million and make more on top of that. By like having the best like Airbnb on earth. Or and so I'm thinking like we could do Airbnb or I'm thinking tour guides where the two guys are priests so that like no one gets possessed as they're going through. It'd be kind of like Halloween a couple years ago where you were a priest and like baptizing people with beer. <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we are Pod Wars and I'm here with uh, Holy Father Justice. What's up, guys? And guys, it has been a while. Um, it's been a wild few weeks here. Uh, Justice and I both started new jobs, so we apologize for us taking time to like, I don't know, get our act together. Yeah, I, you know, moved back home, working as a microbiologist now, just trying to get my feet underneath me. Uh, and you, you're a big boy now. Like you have, like there's big boy pants, and now you have like massive big boy pants. I am the director of a clinic with employees who are all older and more experienced than me. It is wonderful. Nobody likes me. Let's keep I going. I mean, did they like you before? And the answer is no. So no they couldn't but i'm proud to say uh, actually no i'm a little ashamed of myself so i made it a, a goal and each week i'd text justice and be like hey dude seven days no swearing at work seven days more than my previous record week later two weeks not no swearing at work two weeks more than my previous record it is now only two weeks four days i ended up saying shit randomly during work when i was pissed off at something and i'm like damn it i was so close to three weeks hey man you know Get back on the grind. You got this. Believe in you. I know. I know. It's a, it's going to happen. It's okay. I couldn't get the pH meter to work at work, and I was just swearing up a storm. And my new manager was just like, it's okay, man. It's okay. And he was like trying to like help me, and I was like, dude, just just go away. <laughs> just just let me be. Let, let me have this cathartic experience. But other than, you know, life and stuff, we're, we're back here to talk some nerdy stuff. Are you ready to dive into some nerdy nuggets here, Justice? I am. And before we get into that, I just want to say we will talk about what if, and we will talk about visions. We have not yes. forgotten about it. We just want to make sure when we put out the episode, we put effort into it, that we actually try. And today is just going to be another one of those fun episodes where you hear us, our opinions on just the randomness that is happening in the world that is nerdy. Yes, so this is one of our lovely half-assed episodes. Woo! I also really like it when we break down trailers, which we will be breaking down the Boba Fett and what is the other one that we are breaking down? Gary? The Morbius trailer. Yes. Both of them I have yet to see, so I am very excited for and it. Very gash- um, very, very Gary fashion style. Yes, exactly. Um, funny thing, dude, I didn't tell you this. So, not funny part, my mom got in a car accident and is... Gr- terribly concussed uh the funny part is she has on doctor's orders she's has to do nothing like no thought process no screen time nothing so she can't like read a book or listen to anything that provokes any thought so i'm like hey we got hundreds of episodes of pod wars not a thought to be had in any of these episodes it is perfect for you so now my poor mother is concussed and binging pod wars i know that your family normally copes 
with things with dark humor and I really wanted to throw a dark humor joke in there, but I just like let it slide because I don't think the rest of the audience would understand that. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. But I think we should dive into some nuggetiness. Hell yeah. So I actually like we're going to the first one we're going to do is talk about video games. Um, And I really haven't played video games like my video game system has been packed away uh since february both the ps4 and the xbox one and i think the only times that i've actually played is going to over people's house which is not often so but gary was kind enough to invite me over one night and we played back for blood which is essentially like left for dead three but better it it's good um so I got it through Xbox Game Pass, like most people, um, through like a little quick trial because it's much better to do that for free and just play it a shit ton and then get rid of Game Pass than to actually spend 60 bucks on the game. Um, so we both love the Left 4 Dead series. Like those are classic, classic games. Probably one of the best, if not the best, split screen multiplayer games ever. Now... With that in mind, Back for Blood had a lot of things that I thought were really interesting. So let's dive into the good stuff first. Um, one good part is it's basically a reprint of Left 4 Dead. Right, Justice? It is. It's like a mix of Left 4 Dead and Dying Light. If you ever played that open world parkour game, it, it's got that same kind of feel where you go back to you know like a, your mission base, but then you like walk out and you know do random events, random you know zombie killing. Uh, practicing using different weapons, but there's still like this newness to it that doesn't just make it straight up Left 4 Dead. Yeah, there's and there's other systems involved with the game that makes it different. Like they had these cards that you can compile so that you have different power-ups throughout each playthrough just to make it so it's not like you're playing the same game over and over again. Right, like some of the power-ups are like you reload 25% faster with this card activated or you get to recognize a monster around the corner, or, I don't know, you, you heal faster. Just certain things, and there's multiple categories. There's hundreds and hundreds of cards. So the, the game is very, very diverse, very different. But then you can start strategizing. If you have played the game before and you know make, maybe there's a monster around this corner, you can start using cards to combat that monster's superpower or you know power-up. Which I think is a cool part because the real fun for Left 4 Dead isn't just the killing hordes of zombies. It's the difference in the types of zombies. And they really nailed that part of it. Right. And and the thing about Left 4 Dead is, at least the second one, it started the system started to recognize how you played. So if you just ran quickly through the game, they sent hordes and pawns hordes. But if you like to stay back, take your time, they like spread it out. And I felt like this game is doing the same thing but a little bit more where they are more strategic with what monsters i guess like special zombies they're bringing towards you but i would say the game has um some big flaws one being a little pet peeve of mine it doesn't have split screen so that was one of the best parts of left 4 dead was just hanging out with your bro split screen and we had to do this weird janky ass setup okay guys so i go over to gary's house and He's like, I got my PS or my my play, my uh my computer ready. We could play it on this, and you could play it on the Xbox. He goes, all we need to do, and I guess Gary has set up like took him a lot of time to get this ready. He's like, I just need you to sign into your Xbox Live account. Well, guys, 
I made my Xbox Live account back when I was eight. And I am now 26. So, no, I do not remember the passwords. I have tried. I'm pretty sure your email for that account no longer exists. It's like a Yahoo Hotmail type thing. Yes. And it's very, very stupid that Microsoft won't let me change it. I think I'm just going to like call customer service and be like i need this i need this updated like i didn't realize that i'm gonna have to remember the first password i mean not like you yes you could change your password but it's the the act of i need to get it off of my yahoo email it's dumb and so no we didn't and they're like you went to the forget password and they're like we sent it to your email and you're like this email doesn't freaking exist yep and it's like oh okay so i tried doing it through yahoo and then i tried doing it through microsoft edges sign in thing and then i tried doing it through xbox live it's just it, i went through so many different things after a while i was like gary we're just this isn't gonna happen i'm sorry yeah after i spent ages trying to get this game to work on my janky ass laptop um i was pissed but but, but then we okay. played the the horror game that i was unfortunately really really great at. oh dead by daylight which it's not a new game, so it's no nerdy nugget there, but highly recommend it. You're basically playing the slasher or the victims, and it's so good. And Gary and I just continuously played the slasher, and guys, it's scary how good I was at that game. You were too good at that game. You Like, I was going through trying to find these people, and you're like, there they are, there they are, there they are. Like, I'm a little worried about you, bro. I know. I, I, I'm really glad my Xbox is away because I know I would play that game a little too much. <laughs> it, it it was really good um so on top of that i would also say with the split screen it's online it versus bot capabilities were a little bit janky too um it wasn't easy to seamlessly play games against a bot we had times where we were sitting there for a while waiting for a game to start and other players coming online and it just wasn't easy to set it up just to go ahead and play the game just on your own um so those are kind of two big flaws that i think hold back the game like it's meant to be played with a friend but the friend has to have another system right maybe maybe dying light's not the right answer i think division might be a better answer it's kind of like division meets zombies wasn't division kind of a crappy game it was until they fixed all the bugs and then it ended up becoming mm. a super popular game kind of like a destiny 2 uh, okay yeah, it's overall I'd say back for blood. Don't buy the game for the 60 bucks. Get it on Game Pass through either a free trial or just spend 14 bucks for that for a month. Um have fun with it for a little bit. There's not enough in there, I think, to have you keep wanting to play it for more than like a couple months. But it's it's fun overall. It's not as much replayability as Left 4 Dead, which we could still replay to this day. But it's like if you need that vibe from a current generation, it helps scratch that itch. For sure. All right, next Nerd Nugget, we're moving into the Marvel casting side. And, Gary, were you surprised by this cast? So, uh, Will Poulter as Adam Warlock. I I'll admit, guys, I fell victim to uh, what I'd call Heath Ledger syndrome of immediately casting off a guy based off of his former roles. Just like how everyone, when Heath Ledger was cast as Joker, was like, oh, the Brokeback Mountain guy? That's a terrible cast, and he ended up being fantastic. I was immediately like, oh, the guy from We Are the Millers who got bitten the balls by a spider? Um, or the guy from, whatever, that Black Mirror episode who was just a weird techie nerd? I, I didn't see it working as Adam Warlock. And then they posted a picture of him, and it's like, oh, wow, the glow up was huge. 
and he got jacked too yeah. dude he's jacked now. there's all these videos on tiktok yes i'm addicted to tiktok everyone can bite me anyway where it's the i guess the sound is saying like daddy sorry daddy sorry and it's just him it's just a picture of him different like pictures of him being jacked and people being like daddy sorry i mean daddy sorry because dude's huge dude's gonna fit that role even people are putting like him in a costume where it's more and it's like a i guess like a um cgi kind of look and he still looks like a good adam warlock i think it's a perfect cast marvel really hasn't done a bad job of casting people so i think they probably hit this one out of the park again yeah i i retract my former statement of him being a crappy person to cast because i know justice you're like i'm fine with it i think he's good and at first i'm like this is awful this is stupid um i do want to take a second though for some of the people who aren't familiar to know who Adam Warlock is. So he's a character that's really connected with the Infinity Stones, especially the Soul Stone. And he's kind of this, I don't know, he starts out as a villain and becomes a hero. And he's one of these pseudo-cosmic kind of figures. Um, he goes anywhere from like as powerful as, say, Guardians of the Galaxy level to... Um, all the way into like top tier Marvel power to the point where he becomes like living tribunal, which if you don't know who Adam Warlock is, you won't know what that means, but it's a big freaking deal. Um, he's when you think Adam Warlock, think major cosmic powers. That's kind of what he encompasses. And so it was kind of sad when, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy three, they didn't introduce Adam Warlock into the Infinity War saga, because if you read the main Infinity War titles in the comics, like uh, Infinity Gauntlet. He's central to yes, it. Yes, he's the one who warns them about, you know, Thanos coming. He's the one who tries to get the team together. He has, you know, a plan to try to take Thanos down, uh, especially in the Infinity Gauntlet series. So it's nice that they're introducing him. I'm just wondering where are they going to place him in the story now that the Soul Stone and all the, I guess, the Infinity Stones are done with because now that we've seen the Loki series, they kind of just like said, Oh, the soul, the, the infinity gems, they mean nothing. Like they're just paperweights. So like, where's Adam Warlock going to get put into this whole big universe now? Yeah. He's, he's so tied comic wise to the infinity stones. I mean, maybe he could be kind of a protector over them, but then it would be sort of a step backwards in character or, universe development versus a step forwards toward the convert to the conversation of the multiverse so i don't know i'm i'm a little confused in how they're gonna fit him in i just know he's a cool character in the comics all right on to the next nerdy nugget gary you want to start this one off yeah so this is one i just saw randomly while um on social media so we all know that there was a bunch of loans taken out for covid and some of the businesses you work for got loans to help your employees. Some businesses you work for got loans, said F the employees and kept it to themselves. This My guy, past business. Yes, Justice knows that firsthand. See, you should have done what this guy did. So a man in Georgia applied for the pandemic relief business loan and basically staged like he had a small business and got $85,000. And he used $57,000 of that small business loan to buy a holographic Charizard Pokemon card. Not just anyone, like a holographic first edition Charizard Pokemon card. 
Okay, I'm not even mad at this guy because he's just a legend. Like, the balls of the guy to be like, I'm going to commit fraud against the government for thousands of dollars and buy a freaking Pokemon card. Like, I if I was a judge, I'll just slow clap in the middle of that hearing. I don't know how I feel about this. Like, it's it's a, it's a it's it's like, is that really what you wanted? Like, what what would you use fifty seven thousand dollars for? Because I could think of other things. I could think of a million other things to use it for, but I respect a man who's like, I will commit a crime to get a freaking Charizard. Sometimes you just got to catch them all, dude. You got to catch them all. <laughs> now, another piece of news, and take this with a grain of salt, guys. Um, it is from IGN, but it is a leak, and all I know is I'm all for it. So there's a leak that there's a new Smash Bros. type brawler coming out that is a little bit more random in its character selection. So l- let me give you an idea of how random I mean. So some characters rumored to be part of this. Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty, Scooby-Doo, Batman, and Gandalf. Dude, could you imagine GameCube controllers fighting Rick Sanchez against Batman and Gandalf? I'm just hoping that you could be... Uh, Shaggy, because he is like the ultimate power god. That is true. According to the meme verse, Shaggy is like the ultimate power. You have Uraraka Man, or um, uh, the noodle guy from Naruto, and then Shaggy, and those two, like, you don't even know who would win in that kind of fight, because they're just too powerful. I'm just hearing the TikTok sound of knock. Hey, it's Goku! <laughs> hey, it's Goku! <laughs> But this game sounds amazing. Uh, I think I would play the crap out of it. I mean, I play the crap out of Smash Bros. when I get a chance. But to have these random characters who normally the universes would never come together be together. Like, having Batman versus Gandalf, that's a pretty cool idea. Who would win? Batman versus Gandalf with planning time. Oh, then Batman. Okay, with playing time, Batman, without planning time. I think Gandalf would wipe him out because he would just use magic right away. See, I think, sorry guys, controversial opinion, I think Batman would take it both ways. And I don't mean that to be an innuendo. I mean that, <laughs> that he would either way win the fight. He'd take it both ways, dude. Well, I mean, was it, oh, no, 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 it was Superman. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to stop on that conversation thread. We're not going to keep pulling at that. But it sounds dope. Um, These leaks, I always take with a grain of salt. But IGN did also leak that there'd be a new KOTOR game, and that ended up being a thing. So one can dream of this nerdy fan fiction coming about. I just love that there's always new Smash-type fighters. Like, yes, there's Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat back in the day, but there's something about playing Smash Bros and having a similar style game that's random characters that I just really dig. There's something cathartic about that kind of game where it's like you just get into this weird zone. Um, and there's nothing like it. I, I think it's just I just don't like being stuck in the 2D plane. Or is that is that 2D? Side-scroller. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it is a 2D for Smash, but I'm kind of into it. Um, I also appreciate, like, Jump Force, having all the random anime characters. Like, these different type of beat-em-ups are always fun. Now, on to the next one here. Um, Justice, have you heard of the Secret of the Sith 
book at all? Have you been familiar with it? I have not. And when I saw you type this up on our notes that were lovely going down, I freaked out. So please, 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 please explain this to me. Okay. So this was uh, put out on Twitter. I have not read the book and it's coming from Twitter. So you know it's reliable. Now, here are some quotes from the Secret of the Sith book that is apparently narrated by Palpatine that talks about the origin of Snoke. Now, this is one of the main questions we've all had about the the sequel trilogy on who the heck is Snoke? How did he get there? It was one of the leading questions going into The Last Jedi, and now it seems like this book is finally giving us an answer. So I'm going to read some quotes here for you, Justice, and I want to hear your thoughts. So Palpatine describes Snoke in this book as a, quote, temporary measure at best. Here are some quotes from Palpatine. My new new body's deformities were severe. Unable to leave Exegol, I would have to spread my influence across the galaxy through less direct means. As part of their genetic experiments, my followers had attempted to create another being that came to be known as Snoke. So this is suggesting that his followers, in the process of cloning for Palpatine, ended up with kind of Snoke as one of their experiments, who is still viable. Um, Another quote here. Although his body proved unworthy of containing my dark essence, Snoke's Snoke's natural sensitivity to the Force would make him a powerful puppet nonetheless. Through my manipulation of Snoke, I began gathering forces, building an army capable of opposing the new Republic that had risen in my absence. Through Snoke, I would make certain the First Order would be mine to control. Thoughts, dude? I mean, I think it, it just, I guess it just kind of all makes sense. Like, the it's cool that they explain where Snoke came from. I really like that it's this idea of his followers on Exegol. Like, he's a failed Palpatine clone. I um, always have liked the Legends Palpatine clone idea. So now that they're, I guess, trying to reintroduce it retroactively, I like it. It it makes more sense in that, okay, Palpatine's current body wasn't in good enough condition for him to just come back. Um, but Snoke wasn't as powerful as Palpatine, so he was used as a basically as a puppet, and that's why Kylo Ren was able to kill him so easily. Yeah, I mean it. it it's another Star Wars thing where it justifies kind of everything to, you know, make sure fans get their heads out of their asses. I think that's a really blunt way of saying it. Uh, but I I think that they did. I, I think it's a cool concept that they weren't like he was force sensitive to the point where Palpatine can use him as a puppet because like there is this other idea of like, what if Snoke controlled Palpatine instead? Like what if the clones accidentally made something that was more powerful than than Palpatine. Yeah, and this is showing kind of a cool aspect of Palpatine's power in that he can essentially can control a being from a distance, which we kind of see inklings of with his manipulation in the prequels of Anakin, the Jedi, but this is him straight up using somebody as a puppet through the Force. And you know his ability has to be very great because he looks super dead in Rise of Skywalker. Like, he is bones with, like, barely any ligaments or muscles. I mean, I'm into it, but... 
that's just me. And then again, I think about it and like, well, the force you can do, you, you can manipulate the force. You don't really need to have your body there. So never mind. I don't know. Yeah, it's showing that there's some and some part of Palpatine that was inhibited by just his decaying body, but also that he had enough immense power to still basically wreck the universe from afar or wreck the galaxy from afar. Um, I think it's cool. It definitely makes me interested in checking out this book. Is it an actual book or is it just someone wrote something on Twitter? It's the secret of the Sith secrets of the Sith book. So that is a book you can check out. Um, some guy mentioned this on this these quotes specifically on Twitter. I found a few articles about it, but you can get this book for 1956 on Amazon or 20.99 at Target because it's expensive without Jeff Bezos. You guys know what that means. Christmas is right around the corner. You better be getting your nerdy stuff for Christmas. And it is a canon book. It's written by Mark uh, Sumerak. I've not been familiar with his works in the past. He's not one of the ones that really stand out to me as a Star Wars author, but it is canon. So I think that that alone makes it a little bit interesting. For sure. All right, we got one more nerdy nugget. Gary, bring us in for a landing. Okay. So the final nerdy nugget is that rumors are indicating, and I don't know if they're necessarily in the realm of rumors still or if it's confirmed, but that Sauron is not going to be a part of the first season of the Lord of the Rings Amazon series. Now, this is where it could be a little bit rocky in what they're going to cover in that first season because they mentioned how the Lord of the Rings series is going to be covering primarily the Second Age. Now, this age is where... Sauron basically rises to power and you see that downfall in the beginning of Fellowship where the rings cut off his hand by a seal door and all of that. So it's a lead up to that aspect. If he's not a part of it, then we have to consider, is this going to be starting in the first age? And they've released a teaser image showing the two trees in Valinor. Now, the two trees are kind of like the sun and the moon in Tolkien lore, and they are only around in the First Age, and they are destroyed by Melkor or Morgoth, the basically the Satan of Lord of the Rings, the guy who is the big baddie more powerful than Sauron. So hearing that Sauron's not a part of Season 1 in, of this Lord of the Rings show, does that mean we're going to see some First Age? Does that mean we're going to see some Morgoth? It's definitely interesting. See, for me, it makes me think that they're setting up something huge. Like, the first season is just solely going to be world building. Introducing characters, getting us to know probably a lot of stuff from the First Age. Uh, see, what I'm seeing, because, like, Melkor was around a really long time before Sauron became a thing. So I'm wondering if that he's going to be the main antagonist and then, like, kind of, like, the, the the end of the season, maybe, like, you see that transition. I, I'm i not sure. It kind of bums me out that he's not in the first season because he creates the rings. And that's going to, like, I think help bridge the gap from non-Lord of the Rings fans and Lord of the Rings fans watching this TV show. Because everyone can kind of, like, oh, like, okay, I know what the one ring is. But, like, if they don't really introduce that in the first season, how are non-Lord of the Rings fans going to get, you know, connected? That's a really good point. I think having him not in the first season to hardcore Tolkien fans, they'll be like, hell yeah, we could see a lot more Numenor, a lot more 
first age Valinor type stuff, which is like deep Tolkien lore that the hardcore fans would love. But you're exactly right that if it's a casual person who's seen Lord of the Rings and movies, likes them, and wants to see something kind of connected to them, if you go into that deep Tolkien lore, they're probably going to be really confused AF, and you need to kind of bridge that gap at some point. Now, I'm not very worried because I have trust with Amazon. I think they do a really good job with their TV shows. So I think this is a good thing. I think they're might trying to... I think what they're trying to do is capitalize on the fact that Game of Thrones did so poorly in season eight, where they're like, let's make this the new Game of Thrones. So what do we do? We world build the whole first season. We introduce all these characters. We world build. And, you know, the great thing about the Cimmerillion is that there's all these little mini stories that they can do that, you know, adds to this huge, vast world before they even get into the end of the second age and the third age. Yeah, absolutely. But even with that, for the hardcore Tolkien fans, the first age is very protected. Like Christopher Tolkien was, uh, and the Tolkien estate really protects those stories, and they don't want adaptations of it. So that's why I'm a little confused, because my impression was that Amazon's not allowed to touch that crap. Um, But if they are, great. But that was my impression from the start. I'm not sure. I know the Tolkien. I know like a Tolkien's probably rolling in his grave, knowing that like Peter Jackson and everyone has made movies off of this stuff. But maybe Amazon gave them enough money where they just kind of gave up all the rights. I'm not sure. I know Jeff Bezos has a secret place in his heart for it because Am- our Lord of the Rings book sellers were the thing that kept Amazon alive back in the '90s. So I have a feeling that he's probably keeping a really close eye on this because it means a lot to him, even though he's a dirtbag person. Yeah, I'd hope so. I just hope there's a lot of hopes I have for this Lord of the Rings show. And I I just love the material too much to have them let me down. And I pray every day they don't make it hypersexualized because that's just not what Lord of the Rings is. That's what Game of the Thrones is. Right. If you're reading the source material, it's just not fitting for Lord of the Rings. For sure. I'm I think it will be better than the Hobbit trilogy but maybe not as good as the original movies until we get to like the second or third season. Mm, like I, that's fair. I think there might be some stumbling blocks in the first season, um, especially with like the report saying that it's not no longer being filmed in Australia and New Zealand, like it's getting filmed in London. I think that's a huge miss on this production team. Mm, that is another good point too. Now, those would be our nerdy nuggets of the week. And if you'll excuse me, folks, I'm going to go use the bathroom. So we're going to transition out of the nerdy nuggets and get into more of some of the movie stuff that's coming out. But before we get to the trailers, let's talk some Dune, Gary. I have yet to see the movie yet, but I've gotten to the part where in the book where the movie ends. So I feel like even though I haven't finished it, I've gotten some backlash from some friends. I think it's okay to watch the movie. Yeah, I'm refusing to watch the movie until I finish the book. I just started it today. I'm doing audiobook, dude, because I'm like, I'm not smart enough to follow all that crap with like words on a page. Yes. uh, The first hundred pages are very rough. It's another one of those like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones kind of stuff. The only thing that's different is that Star Wars is based off of Dune. Like, you know, you got other things. Like, Dune's huge. Like, Dune's got 
you know, it's one of those books that like you have to read before you die. And then you don't have to read the other ones because they're not great. But <laughs> some Dune fan out there is just like this freaking podcast. I know. I'm really excited to see the movie. I heard it's like a two and a half hour trailer for the rest of the books, which means I'll probably read them as well. I like it. I like the story. I'm um, one of the things that I know I'm not great at when I read books is kind of picturing it. So I think helping like watching this movie is going to actually help me as I finish the book. Yeah, I I refuse to have because okay, I feel like it's a nerdy like trip to Mecca to read Dune. Like every science fiction nerd needs to read Dune at some point. Um and the fact that neither of us have is kind of like disappointing. Like I'm disappointed in both of us for not doing that yet. So I refuse to have my first encounter with Dune be Timothy Chalamet as the main character. I don't know what your deal is with him, but he doesn't Dude. He doesn't look but after reading all of the how far I've gotten, he he's not a bad Paul. It's just that, like, all the girls are fawning over him, and I'm like, guys, he looks like a sickly little puppy. Like, he looks like he, you just need to, like, cradle him and bottle feed him because he's about to die. I think that adds to the aesthetic of the book. I think they casted him very well. It's okay. You'll get into it. You'll read it, and you'll understand. I I could this could be another case of Adam Warlock where I just hate on someone because I think they're crap and then they end up being great for it. I don't know. All I know is I refuse to see the movies until I have read the book. I feel like you need to have that first. I just laugh that when you're reading it or listening to it or whatever you're doing to consume the content, there are all these super new names, super new ideas, concepts. And then the main character's name is Paul. And you're like, what? <laughs> I, I do love Seri- that. I, I'm, it's, I'm serious. Like, there's, so, there's all these, like, planet names, and they're different, you know, ships and suits and different armor and whatnot. And then, and then you got Paul. And it's like, really? That's the best you could do? We were, Hen and I were watching anime recently, and it... It like anime always has very Asian oriented names, and this dude in the anime, his name was Ethan, and we're like, no chance in hell that character is actually named Ethan. That's funny, and I think that's the same. It fits the same thing. That's really funny. What anime? Like Naruto Uzumaki, Ethan Johnson. Like, nah, he's not named Ethan. What anime? I don't even know, dude. It was some really crappy horror anime we decided to watch over Halloween. It it was not good. That's unfortunate, but I need to get a Country Roll account. But we're not talking about anime. We're (sighs) Yeah, unfortunately. We're going to move into the trailers right now. So we got two trailers we want to break down for you guys. And the first one is going to be the Boba Fett trailer. All right, Gary. And we're going to do our normal thing where we pause, but it's just going to be continuation as you guys listen. So, we'll be back. All right, so we just watched the trailer, and guys, I'm I'm really excited. I was excited for Mandalorian Season 2. I'm excited for this. It comes out December 29th. There's a few things that stuck out to me right away, um, and I think that all kind of relates back to the fact that I've been 
really diving into the War of the Bounty Hunters comic book stuff. And I think this show is going to dive even more into the underbelly of all of the whole, you know, outer rim in the galaxy. And the one thing that really stuck out to me was the, the guys with the red shields. You know what I'm talking about, Gary? Yeah, they were cool. Yes. So Crimson Dawn has been reintroduced into Star Wars and the War of the Bounty Hunters series. And I'm wondering if those group of people are Crimson Dawn. Hmm. I mean, I'd love to see Crimson Dawn more because I thought they were fascinating in, in Solo. So that'll be interesting to have them. What were you going to say? Overall, I, I think it's an interesting teaser. I would say we've crapped on Boba Fett a lot in this show. And I think that having him now have, coming up his own with his series makes him a hell of a lot more interesting to me um, versus just being cool in Empire. Um I think it's interesting how they're trying to... It seems like they're trying to solve the dilemma of he's an anti-hero running, running a crime syndicate, but we have to root for him. So, like, they can't have him be just a ruthless warlord like Jabba was. They have to make him kind of a, I don't know, like Don Corleone, like, respected mobster in a way. And that's where he's coming off with this I'm ruling through respect, not fear type of mentality. That way they can make him somebody that we can root for. I like you that you said that because I saw online someone being like, of course, Disney making it so that he's not going to go around killing dudes, chopping people's heads off, you know, because they have to babyfy everything. And in my head, I'm like, he's clearly about to cut someone's head off in the, one of the trailers. It's just a teaser. But I think they are going for that mobster feel where I think he's, you know, dealt with Jabba and other really awful crime syndicates and he's like i know i think i could do it better and you have that dilemma whenever you have an anti-hero who's leading a crime group like breaking bad toes that line really well where even at times you're rooting against the main character um i think the godfather is a great example with don corleone of the entire movie he's a ruthless mobster but you're rooting for him because he has this inherent code and respectability. So it seems like they're doing that with Boba Fett. They're making him have an inherent code and respectability, but still having him be a badass. One of the things that I also thought is that this trailer might be only from like a couple episodes. Like I don't think it's the whole season. Like it doesn't seem like there is uh, many scenes that are different. If that makes sense. No, it seems like they're really from the beginning when he's just establishing himself as the new leader over Jabba's side of the crime syndicate. Um, the one thing I found was interesting was the lack of other huts involved. Anybody who's a fan of the Clone Wars knows that there's more to the huts than just Jabba. So I'm wondering how much of the hut clan is going to fight back against Boba too. That's a good point because in the the new War Bounty Hunters, like you are seeing a lot of huts. Uh, involved and Jabba really stepping on their slug tails. That's a nice way of saying stepping on their toes in a contextually fitable way. <laughs> I tried. I thought about it. Yeah, it it'll be it'll be good. Like I think it'll be really enjoyable. It'll kind of scratch the itch we had left from the Mandalorian. Um, 
original trilogy fans, this is for you guys. This is the kind of Star Wars you've been asking for for a while. Um, I love the original trilogy. I consider myself more of kind of like a prequels fan than anything. So I'm like, this is cool. Um, but I'm not as excited for it as I was for The Mandalorian, where I'm like frothing at the mouth. But I think having a break between Mandalorian is good. Like, I, I'm okay with there being this gap between season two and season three. Like, this is going to, I hopefully this will, you know, build the world more. Maybe it will bridge a couple of gaps in between what we saw in season two. Who knows? This show could go in a whole lot of other places. But I'm not upset that we're not getting season three of Mandalorian right away. Neither am I, and not because of Book of Boba. Um, I'm not upset because I am beyond excited for Ahsoka. I can't believe we didn't put this on the show notes, dude. But how uh, Rosario Dawson tweeted out and they released how Hayden Christensen is going to be part of the Ahsoka series. I Yes, I feel like we failed with our nerdy nuggets that we didn't even say that. Cause we, we didn't like, even huge. say that. How could we? That's huge that Hayden's coming back. So big. The fact that he's coming back for Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, I really, really am looking for. I'm, I'm just hoping that maybe there's this intimate scene where we get to see Ahsoka and Force Ghost Anakin and like they just have like this moment and he just like apologizes. Like I would love that. Like that would make me cry. That that would be such a cathartic scene for for fans. And I I'm I think that in time, like the Mandalorian is going to fade. Because the series is already starting to have plot threads end with like with Grogu to some extent. They're having some conclusions coming on. I think what's really going to carry the TV verse of Star Wars from here on out is going to be Ahsoka. And then we also saw John Favreau and Dave Filoni, you know, make a comment saying that these TV shows are leading to the sequel trilogy. Which I don't know why people thought that you know John Favreau and Dave Filoni were gonna you know rewrite them but like it makes sense having these stories lead up to the sequel trilogy and hopefully for the original trilogy fans because I think they tend to be the ones who are more disillusioned with the sequel trilogy sometimes rightfully so sometimes in my opinion not hopefully Book of Boba helps rectify a lot of that for you hopefully it helps merge it in in a way that is satisfying for original trilogy fans or at least makes it less coarse rough and irritating and getting everywhere (laughs) good uh good good prequel quote there gary yes thank you thank you all right you got anything else before we move on to the next trailer let's go on to the morbius trailer so we just watched the morbius trailer and like with boba fett i am actually really excited for this more than i thought i was going to be watching the second time I really, really noticed something huge that I didn't notice the first time. And the thing that stuck out stood out to me is that they're really playing more, I feel like, with these this anti-hero idea. He wants to save people, he wants to help people, but he's got this thing inside of him, so he like is trying to control, you know, whether he's gonna be good or bad. There I think they really, really showed that in this trailer. And I think for some reason, as I was watching this, I didn't realize that he's like this, this vampire character is that perfect 
version of uh, an anti-hero like venom is always like i want to protect the innocents and doesn't like spider-man whereas this guy like he's an actual doctor he can do good but he's got this thing inside of him that can you know be released where he goes out and just like a killing rampage yeah definitely leading into the anti-hero now we're gonna i'm gonna take a step before we go into the two main easter eggs i think you know what i'm talking about justice there's three but yes i will yes there's three about yeah Okay, um, but I'd like to give an idea because I wasn't super familiar with Morbius as a character other than just knowing him as a tertiary part of the like pantheon of Spider-Man villains. But essentially, he is a doctor who had this degenerative disease that he experimented on vampire bats in order to cure himself. And through that, gained these powers very similar to vampirism. Um, so he's not like necessarily a vampire. He's not like, like in blade, um, necessarily like that kind of vampire. He just is very similar because he's adopted the traits of a vampire bat. The the reason he's called Morbius, the living vampire is because back in the day when the comics code authority came out, they took away the ability for zombies, vampires, werewolves, all that kind of stuff, sex, violence. And so the way Marvel got around it is they made him the living vampire where, so that's why in the movie he can go kind of back and forth with, between these two forms. And even in the comics, there's times where he's good and he's trying to help Spider-Man. And then there's times where it's like, Spider-Man's like, dude, like, I thought you were on the right, like the righteous path. I thought you were trying to help people. And instead he's just like sucking people's blood. Yeah. He's an odd one. Cause he goes between anti-hero to just straight up villain pretty constantly in the comics. Right. And other things from the trailer that I really, really liked. Again, this is going to be an origin story, but I really liked the, the bat sonar and how they introduced his powers. And like, you saw him starting to fly like that kind of looked a little corny, but then at the very end when he jumped off the building and it, like there's that purple when he's like changing into a vampire, I thought that was pretty cool. The purple was cool. The flying was a little corny for me, um, but that's also just one scene. Who knows? It could have been portrayed better throughout. Um, I think Jared Leto, if you know of the comic character, is a perfect depiction of Morbius. Um, he looks exactly like him, and this is going to be all the memes about him redeeming himself as a comic character after his portrayal of the Joker. Like, we all know that's going to happen. Which, even though people, or at least uh, Ayer, the director for Suicide Squad, said that Jared Leto did a really good job, it was just the cut that was bad. So, who knows? Yeah, agreed. Uh, agreed. I think Jared Leto was actually, he did a good job as Joker. It's just that their Joker was poorly written, but that's a whole separate story. Right. Other things that stood out to me in the trailer, I like that it is the people who brought us Far From Home and Venom. Those two movies are very good. I don't know. I feel like this movie is going to be a whole lot better than Let There Be Carnage. And I saw Let There Be Carnage, and I thought that movie was garbage. So, Which is incredibly disappointing i mean you're a huge carnage fan and it, it just kind of blows that that one was such a disappointment but i'm holding out hope for this one because he's kind of an underground character compared to like venom and carnage you know he's been around for a while but to me he's not one when i think of spider-man i don't immediately think oh yeah morbius amazing spider-man 101 i believe i have the second print of it dude i looked up his um first appearance and it's kind of funny like his his uh like vampire venom 
oddly turns the lizard into a human again. And also, Spider-Man has six arms for no freaking reason. And then he's suddenly like, hey, Morbius's Venom has given me only two arms now. It's classic old comics. I'll have to read it. I have not read it. Um, there's a lot of old Amazing Spider-Man stuff that I haven't got into. But, guys, I, we're probably going to spoil the absolute carnage cutscene because we're going to talk about the three things that stood out in the Morbius trailer. And that is that they tied all three Spider-Man universes in this one trailer. The first one is they had the Amazing Spider-Man poster, like, uh, sorry, um, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man in the back, and it's got graffiti on it. I think it says murderer on it. I thought that was the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Maybe. I thought, you're, you're probably right. But then they also have... They have the vulture played by Michael Keaton in there and he just, it's really quick, but he tells Morbius, Hey, we should be friends someday, which is Tom Holland's universe. And then at the very, very end, when Morbius is fighting like some thugs, the guy goes like, who are you? And he says, I am venom. And just kidding. And then, but like that again is tying venom to this universe. And Gary, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to spoil the absolute carnage credit please scene. do because i'm not gonna watch that movie after you told me about it yeah don't waste your money on it guys it's not good i mean it's it's okay it's it's 90 minutes it's really fast paced it's just they did a carnage really dirty anyway at the very end they're kind of like playing on the venom island thing eddie and venom are on this island they're like in this hotel room they're just you know at peace with each other and then like the world shakes probably this on the same time that the whole multiverse opens and Eddie and Venom are sitting there with the TV on and you see Joe Jana Jameson like talking about like Spider-Man being a venom or a menace and all this awful things. And Eddie gets up from the bed and turns into Venom and he licks the TV and that's the end of the credits. Hmm. Well, they are trying to, it seems like establish a, like a Spider-Man villain multiverse within Sony. Um, Really quick, I lied. It's not the end of the credits. Some dude walks in and there's a really funny scene, but like that's basically the end of it. Okay. Um, another Easter egg that I totally forgot to mention there was so they show a uh, clip sh- a clip of the Daily Bugle, like that newspaper, and I just looked up a picture here, and it has two headlines on there. One being Rhino on the Loose, mm. and the other one being Black Cat, Friend or Foe. So, again, hinting the idea of them making this universe of spider-man villains with black cat and rhino well i think maybe the rhino is how they uh, tied in the amazing spider-man because rhino was at the Mm. very end of the second movie yes yeah true so they have a lot of stuff here trying to tease that there is going to be a multiverse involving all the spider-man movies um so i think that's the most interesting aspect of this that's the part that is going to even if you're not too keen or even knowledgeable on the character of Morbius, you can watch it just for the sake of seeing, okay, how is this going to affect Spider-Man in film? Exactly. And also another another nerdy nugget that we missed is that it's been reported that Blade is showing up in the new Moon Knight Disney Plus series. So that's going to be cool. Yeah, I, I'm excited for, for Blade, but... Dude, we're, we're slacking on the nerdy nuggets this week. We're just, like, forgetting them. I know we are. It's it's bad. 
All right, last thing before we get into our comics, Eternals dropped. And it is there's been some backlash, but then it's also the lowest rated Marvel movie. What are your thoughts on that, Gary? So, I predicted this a while ago that Eternals is going to be the first flop for Marvel. Um and I think there's a few signs that this would happen. One is the star power for the cast. Now, I know Disney has more money than God, but it's usually a notorious thing where movies where that they spend a ton of money on the cast tends to have poor writing because they put very little of the budget towards the writing and actually building the story. Um, another part of it, too, that I, I'll admit I haven't seen Eternals yet, definitely going to, is um, I believe there was... They mentioned that there's a sex scene in this one, so the first sex scene in the MCU. And, like, sometimes that can be fitting for the plot. Again, Game of Thrones, the source material is very sexualized. It makes sense. But usually sex scenes, I see that as kind of like, you know, we watched Friday the 13th recently, and it's kind of like all these crappy, low-budget horror movies always add in boobs just because they realize they don't have a good plot and they need something to keep people interested. It's like, okay, this movie isn't good. Let's add big stars and, I don't know, some sex, and that might make up for a crappy plot. So I know – so the well, – okay, well, we address it really quickly and then move on. The main, main controversy why it's got a low score is because there's apparently a same-sex uh, kissing scene. Which ah, like, I did not know that. Which like, don't review bomb a movie if you've never seen it before, and then also like everyone, no matter what your you know your preferences are, they deserve a superhero. That's all I'm gonna say on that. And then we're but we're gonna move on. But um, like what I heard from my friend because I have not seen it and I do plan to go and see it is, it's not as good as Shang Chi, but it's better than Black Widow. And okay. So, and so I'm like I don't consider that bad then. No, he's like he's like it's not he's like it's not like a Black Panther or a Shang-Chi, but it's it's better than Black Widow. So I'm like that's that's good then. He's like, "Yeah, like I enjoyed it." He's like the only thing that it's just really really long and it is not like any other Marvel movie they tried to really do something new. So when I heard that, that that encourages me. Like I like that they're trying to step out and do something different, you know, with like they did that with WandaVision, kind of done it with, you know, Loki. So to hear them do that with a huge blockbuster movie is super cool. I'm just, you know, going in a little hesitant because of, I'm still going to see it, but all of the backlash and not because of the, you know, people being homophobic, but like just because of the, you know, that they're trying something new. I'm looking up now the Rotten Tomato score. Currently the audience scores 81%. So I think it's no, gone good. up since. That's good. Yeah. Then. So it's gone up since. Um, so that makes me feel better because at first I'm thinking of like, okay, they spent exactly what I told you. They didn't spend any money on actually writing a good story. And the Eternals are interesting characters in Marvel. So hopefully it's good. I we'll, we'll let you know, guys, after we see it, what our thoughts are. For sure. And we just wanted to kind of talk about it because, you know, it's a hot topic. And it's uh, something that we'll probably see soon before we, uh, you know, give you that little teaser before we actually see it. But, Gary, it's probably my favorite time. And I think you're going to lead it this time because you actually read this and I have not. It is our favorite segment, my favorite segment, the one I normally lead, but it is called Comics of the Week. Yeri, take it away. So this week we're going to talk a little bit of Hulk. Now, I 
have here the last issue of Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing. And before I go into the last issue, I'd kind of like to talk about this run in general. So the Immortal Hulk run has been kind of coinciding with Donny Cates' Venom run as the... I, I mean, you could correct me if you feel different. I think that Donny Cates' Venom and Immortal Hulk have been the two most important runs in Marvel over the last few years. Oh, yes. Last few years, top of the sales, both of them, both being really great stories. Both been great stories, both been interesting runs, exploring new things, and the Immortal Hulk has just ended. And overall, the run, I think, has a lot to offer for comic readers and a lot of good alongside some little critiques. So I'd like to start with the good. Now, this might be a controversial opinion among Hulk fans, but I think this is actually a very good first Hulk comic to read for people who haven't read a Hulk comic before. And I'll say I'll explain why. So this Hulk isn't like the conventional Hulk we see in the MCU. He's not the like dumb for lack of a better word, poorly spoken childish Hulk. He's a very articulate Hulk. He has this different personality. And it's for a lot of Hulk fans, it was kind of off putting. Like they're like, this isn't my Hulk, this isn't what I'm used to. But the reason I say this is a good comic for people to get introduced to the Hulk is because they focus in such incredible ways on the multiple personalities of Bruce Banner and the various types of Hulk. So you get introduced to all the Hulks in here. The the Savage Hulk, the Devil Hulk, Worldbreaker Hulk, Joe Fixit, Red Hulk. You get introduced to the overall Hulk pantheon through this comic run. And I'll admit, most of these Hulks I haven't read about or weren't even too knowledgeable of, but it made me... One, learn a quick bit about each of these characters, and two, get more interested in reading on about them. So that's why I think it's a good run for non-Hulk fans to start out with. Yeah, I've only, I'm going to be honest, I've only read like the first, I think, 15 issues, which are, are absolutely phenomenal. I plan to go back and read them all. I have bought them. It's one of those comics that I buy, and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to wait till the run's done, and then I'm just going to like plow right through it. Um, but I'm excited to hear you talk about more and especially the ending. So to, I, I gave some positives on there. Interesting new Hulk, really great introduction to a lot of the Hulk pantheon and great introduction to the multiple personalities of Bruce Banner. Now let's get into some of the negatives. So some of the negatives is I think that halfway through the run, Al Ewing kind of went off track. He turned it from exploring this interesting new villain, who I'll get into eventually, he turned it from that into the Hulk being kind of just an anti-establishment character. He was like pseudo-anti-establishment environmentalist, and it, it just seemed odd. Um, when it started so strong on this new evil villain, the one below all, who I'll dive into, and then it went off track. Um I think he gets back on track in the final issue, but it does leave fans, I think, rightfully a little bit kind of unsatisfied to some extent because he doesn't fully explore and embrace the one below all, um, which leads me to describing that character. So Marvel has these pantheon of higher beings. The top god of Marvel is the one above all. Um, he's often depicted as Jack Kirby, one of the ori original um, illustrators, and think the god of everything, one above all. So Al Ewing introduced this new cool thing of the one below all, in which 
gamma radiation, the radiation that created the Hulk, introduces people to this hell that is ruled by the one below all. And that the one below all wants to come into the universe through the Hulk to just reap destruction and destroy the universe. Really cool concept. He explores it in tremendous ways. I won't spoil all of it, but like there's a whole cosmic Hulk comic involved here that's kind of an alternate universe or I don't even know if it's an alternate universe it's a universe in which the one below all wins and takes over the Hulk that is super cool um you get to see this gigantic Hulk it is awesome and that was incredibly awesome topic for him to explore and then he got off track into the Hulk being anti-establishment and like we got to protect the environment which is like okay you can do that but you have to make that the initial theme from the get-go you can't just suddenly go off script does that kind of make sense it does, and I'm wondering if Al Ewing did that because of the um, anti-Semitic or the anti-Jew stuff going on. And I can't say the first word, so I'm I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, from the artist, the one who is, um, he wrote like the the Jew. I apologize. I don't want to like it's it's bad. He wrote yeah. There's Jewry. a I'll. Uh, I'll, I know what you're talking about here. So there was a panel in which this artist, who apparently has made some anti-Semitic comments, I don't know about that in the past, um, in which she shows, like, I believe it was Joe Fixit, who is this kind of sleazy, um, money-grubbing kind of character of the Hulk, his alternate personality, and they show, like, him pawning off jewelry, and it shows, like, the jewelry part cut off, and it just says Jew. I don't know if it was on purpose or inadvertent. I highly doubt Al Ewing was involved, but maybe that's why he redirected. Maybe. Yeah, it says it says a uh, jewelry. It takes out the L and but it's backwards. And I'm, and I'm just kind of like, how did you think that you were going to get away with that? Because if you you've you read it trade wise and or online yeah. wise. So they took it away and they, they have that like I have the actual issue and I've looked at it where it's got like the the really bad thing in it. So it's. Um, and yes, and in the past, I've looked up some of the stuff that he said, and you know, Al Ewing was like, "I'm never working with this guy again." Marvel fired him, so I'm wondering if that might be the reason why he was like, "All right, we're gonna take this another direction," be trying to like course for correct what he did. Maybe I, I doubt it though, because it's not like the the course he was on was in any way offensive, anti-Semitic, or bad by any means. Like the writing and everything was very solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Al Ewing just lost track of his plan. Um, I think he made this initial concept, and the Marvel's like, this is incredible. We want you to get 50 issues out of it, and he didn't have a 50-issue plan. That's my theory. I don't know if that's the case, but that's kind of the impression I got, is he didn't plan on this being 50 issues. It was just so damn successful that he had to scrap it together. Um, I could be totally wrong, but that's kind of how it feels. But that being said... I think that he closes it, even though it is a little bit unsatisfying, because you have this immensely new, cool character in the one below all, this cosmic being we haven't seen at all. I think they find a way to rectify the ways it sort of goes off course in the ending. So in the ending, you're not even necessarily with Bruce Banner. You're with the the Savage Hulk, the classic Hulk we know, and Joe Fixit, who is this kind of like Vegas... Um, mobster type hulk and they're trying to basically save the hulk from the one below all and 
the Hulk, uh, not the Hulk. They're trying to save Bruce Banner from the one below all. It, I'm sorry with my description. It's going to get weird because all of Bruce's personalities are their own separate characters in this comic line, which is awesome, but confusing as hell to say out loud. So they're trying to save him from the one below all. And you get introduced to this hell, this gamma radiation hell, in interesting ways of them showing other characters that show up throughout the whole comics. Most of them I didn't know. Um, some of them I did, but even if you didn't know them, the way they introduced it was kind of in like this cool horror sci-fi sort of manner. And they keep carrying throughout this hellish area until they eventually find, I believe it's Mastermind is this Hulk villain. Um, I'll admit, guys, I'm not a huge Hulk fan. This is kind of, I've read Worldbreaker Hulk, I've read World War Hulk, but I don't know all of it. And essentially, the one below all is taking over this Hulk villain and is holding Bruce Banner hostage. Now, they try to defeat the, the, the villain, and in that process, the one below all shows up. And he shows up as this massive cloud of green, of gamma, and it's just this overall, like, uber-powerful being. And the Savage Hulk, the Hulk we know, is there just screaming at this devil, like, why do you have me alive? Why do you work with me? Like, why am I the Hulk? And this is where it gets super cool. So the one below all, again, think kind of Marvel's devil basically describes how the Hulk is there to cause destruction. He is his instrument of destruction in the universe, like the ultimate vessel of Gamma, the ultimate vessel of destruction. And while he's describing it, he then reveals that he is actually the one above all. So this is important because you have very few instances in which the one above all shows up in all of Marvel Comics. And dude, I'll show you it. It's like a multi-panel huge page of the one above all showing up which is so epic that's hot it, it's really cool it's a cool moment and it kind of blows your mind in which he kind of gets existential and when he's like it's kind of like the marvel god is saying i am both creation and destruction you need both you need to live we need life we need death we need natural order in the universe. So because of that, we need heroes, but we also need the Hulk. We also need somebody who's there to just provide destruction, to be an instrument of that destruction. And you're left with them being given this revelation that the Hulk exists there to be this instrument of destruction. They grab Bruce Banner and they leave hell. They come back to the world. And... It, be- it then opens up for this kind of overly multi-personalityed Hulk or over-multi-personalityed Bruce Banner being open to doing anything. He has all the personalities within him at once, kind of coming in and out, and he's just open to go on to the next adventure. Now, parts of this finale that I like, I like that they introduce the one above all, because he's cool that it's cool that he's rarely ever in comics, and this is one of the few occasions he shows up. The part I don't like is that they're like, hey, the one below all, he's this cool, evil character. Psych, he was the one above all the whole time. And, like, I wish they kept the one below all, because it would be dope to have a Marvel devil, you know, like a true devil of the Marvel universe. Like, what do we you think? Already dude? Have, we already have, um, 
Mephisto. I, I was going to say, if you say Mephisto, you're full of shit. He is not truly the Marvel devil. He is a little... He is... He is not that cool. He's not. I'm not saying he's cool, but he has definitely influenced and pulled strings and done things that are devilish. And he is. You ask any Marvel comic fan, he's he's the devil of the Marvel universe. But like the way they showed, you have to read the Cosmic Hulk comic because they literally show the one below all destroys everything, like literally everything the entire like universe so it shows him at the end with um franklin richards is supposed to be the last man alive of the marvel universe it shows one below all possessing the hulk holding franklin richards dead corpse and being like i'm actually the last one here and then destroys the entire universe it is epic it is dope and i'm like this is such a cool devil character and then they're like, nope, he was just the one above all the whole time. Interesting. I'm definitely going to read it. I'm excited to. You've uh, given me the, I guess, not encouragement's not the word. You've uh, enticed me to go and check it out because I've put it on the back burner for a really long time. Because, guys, I have been reading so many comics. We're not going to get into today, but I'm just going to tease you with uh, future stuff, what the stuff I've been reading that I'm going to talk to you guys. Got into read all of the Star Wars Bounty Hunter, War of the Bounty Hunter stuff that Charles Soule and other Marvel writers and Star Wars writers have gotten into. Super fun story. Really liked it. It's kind of wrapping up, so that's why I'm not talking about it yet. You know, we talked about it before. Gone to Lucky Devil. That's on the fourth issue. Also, House of Slaughter came out, which is tying in with Something is Killing the Children. Super excited about that one. I might do one quick comic because I read this anthology horror story and I really, really liked it. But um, other things that I've been reading, Death of Doctor Strange, Crossover. The Death of Doctor Strange is actually pretty cool. Like, Doctor Strange dies and you get to see what happens when there's no Sorcerer Supreme and like the what he's actually doing the whole time that he's alive. Because you just kind of see Doctor Strange and you're like, you're not going out and doing things. But what you don't know is like, his magic is constantly being used, saving us from all these different multiverse events or uh, threats. And now that he's dead, everyone's trying to attack the earth. It's really cool. But so this week, Aftershock came out with a story with a huge book. I don't know why they do this, but Aftershock makes this huge book area. You can probably see it where it's massive. Like here's a normal comic. I'll put it in perspective for you. Sorry, fans. Oh wow! Yeah, yes. that is big. It's big. Um, it's it's kind of fun if for the fans who are out there who read comics, it's kind of like the the Joker or Harley Quinn thing that they've done. DC did in the back in the day. It's really really massive. But this one's called After Dark, a horror anthology, and there's a bunch of different you know stories. Some written by Jim Starlin, Frank Thierry, uh, Colin Bunn. But the one that I want to talk about is. Well, there's two that I want to talk about, and one of them is really kind of sweet, and then the other one's really, really dark. So the first one is that this guy who walks into a diner, just like a dump, and there's only one girl working, and she's kind of like looking down and is like, oh, I'll be with you in a second. And he's like, yes, can I just get a cup of coffee? And it's this zombie-looking figure. He, like, he, like his body is kind of falling apart. You know, he's missing half of his like flesh on his cheek. 
and she's kind of like what the heck and he's like trying to drink coffee that she pours him and like falls on the ground and he's like I'm, I'm sorry he's like but if you give me another cup of coffee I'll explain my story and he goes on and talks about how his he was married to his wife for a really really long time and her dying wishes that they would go back to all the places that they made memories and for a while he ignored her and she started to torture him and you know haunt him because he didn't like do her dying wish and so now he took her ashes to like all these different places like the ocean to you know paris because they traveled and didn't have any kids but every time he pours out some of her her dust like her ashes he starts to fade away too and becomes more and more deathly more and more sickly and so at the very very end you know she's like why are you here then and he's like this is just a dump he's like it's not a dump for me this is where i met my wife and he's like, so I apologize for what I'm about to do. Dumps her ashes, and then he turns into a skeleton and decays as well. And, Damn. <laughs> and then, and then, like she's cleaning up the mess, and this guy walks in, and, um, you know, he's like, hey, honey, like, and they're like talking, and she's like, let's go on a vacation, like, let's go travel together. And so that's like, so it's kind of like a, even though it's scary, kind of, you know, it's it's a little, it's nice and upbeat, and um, there's kind of a happiness to it. The other story that I want to talk about, this one I thought was pretty creepy. It's this two cops and they're investigating this death. And on the on this death there is this you know, I want to say prostitute that's covered in spiders. Like absolutely just doused in all these different spiders. And one of the cops is like trying to check it out and the, the um you got like an older fat pudgy you know normal kind of cop that stereotypical and then you got this up and coming you know female cop who's like get away from the spiders like there's apparently a spider killer going around you know they take their victims and dump a bunch of poisonous spiders on them and they get this call to go to this really really creepy old abandoned house and the old cop is like yeah that's all you i'm not on shift i'm i'm on break i'm not going so she goes by herself and finds all these other people killed by these spiders. And someone comes up behind her and puts a spider on her and bites her neck and she becomes paralyzed. So she like can't move and it ends up being the fat cop. And he puts her in a coffin and then dumps her with a bunch of spiders. So like there's panels where it's just spiders crawling all over in her eyes and she's talking about how like nope. she can't breathe. Nope. And she nope, can't, nope, yep, nope. Yep, she can't <laughs> breathe and she can feel them going in her nose and in her mouth and like just like it's really like if you're claustrophobic and you have arachnophobia, you would not like this page and this this story. But then eventually like there's just like a panel where it's just her a hundred times saying get off, get off, get off and like spiders everywhere. Finally, like, the coffin opens and these police officers, you know, get her out. They shot the bad officer but didn't die. So and then, so this is how the comic ends. It's her, it's him in the hospital and it's her kind of, like, talking to us about how, you know, they should have ended him and I, like, it's going to, I'm going to have this arachnophobia for the rest of my life and he's just a terrible human being. So she takes like this really poisonous venom, walks into the hospital with like a nursing outfit, and injects the most poisonous spider venom into his IV bag and walks out of the nursing room room and she he just like dies. <laughs> and the end of the comic is her getting a spider tattoo on her arm and her walking to her apartment and there's a spider that like kinda like comes down from its web and she grabs it and crushes it. And that's like the end of the comic. 
So is this an anthology series then? Yeah, yeah, it's just an anthology series. What was the name of it? So um, the first one was called Dust to Dust, which makes sense. I think that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a pretty good name. There's another one that I didn't talk about, but it was it's oh not the really good. the name of the series. What was the name of it? Oh, this one's just called After Dark. Um, okay. There's a cool like boy. Um, there like this one where this like old grandma's watching her two kids, and this like ghost boy comes, and's like, "Yo, I'm collecting my debt. I'm not taking you. I'm taking your children." And then he like kills her and like steals her children. It's interesting. Um, but the one that I just talked about, the spider one, it is called Along Came a Spider. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to have to check this out because, you know, I love the anthology horror kind of stuff. Yes, and they're, like, really short stories. But seriously, if you have a spider fear and you don't like claustrophobia, I don't know if you're going to like the one I just told you guys about. That sounds super dope. But we'll have more comic stuff for our next podcast. We're eventually going to get to Visions and What If, but it was fun just talking a little bit of Nerdy Nuggets again today. Yes, it's been good. I'm glad we're able to get stuff out for you guys. Thank you for being patient. And again, please tell your friends about us. You know, give us that five-star review if you haven't done it. Or just give us a five-star review and rip us to shreds about how we're not putting up stuff enough. It's okay. We'll take the heat. But thank you so much. Uh, You can find us online at at Powers Podcast on Twitter. Or if you want us to talk about something specific, like maybe a movie review or a certain comic, you can email us at, at ask or sorry, askpodwars at gmail.com. And I'm Justice, that's Gary, and this is Podwars. Have a great week. <laughs>